Thank you, Brass Five, and thank you for leading us into this time of worship. And thank you for sharing with us in this time of worship in which we announce that Christ is risen. Christ is risen indeed. Welcome, and thank you again for sharing in worship on this first day of the week, the day of worship, because we remember this is when the women went to the tomb to prepare Jesus for a decent burial, only to find that he was not among the dead, he is alive. 
We are witness to resurrection this morning as we gather in worship, and again, it is a great joy to be with each of you, and thank you again for sharing in worship at First Church this morning. As we share on this Easter morning, we remember the ministry still entrusted to us. We remember the ministry in which we shared yesterday with the food bank and clothes closet, serving 125 families by way of the food bank, packing 164 boxes and serving 358 people total. We served 98 households by way of the clothes closet, 310 people total. Again, this is evidence that we are a resurrection people. We go in service for our living Christ, and it is this Christ we worship as we gather this morning. We see before us a candle that was lighted when we gathered here for our sunrise service. This, from this candle, we will light the Paschal candle, and this candle will be lighted each Sunday during the season of Eastertide up until the day of Pentecost. So I'm grateful to anticipate that demonstration of the light in this time of worship. And again, thank you for sharing in this time of worship as we proclaim the word and to know Christ is risen. We prepare to worship God together.
We stand as we share in our call to worship. Rejoice, there is great news. Christ is risen. Christ is risen indeed. Let all the earth proclaim the joy. Let all heaven show forth in praise. Hallelujah.
we go to God as we pray our opening prayer before us. Let us pray. Living God, on this most joyous day, we offer our thanks. Even when we turned away, you never rejected us. You spoke words of mercy and love through the prophets, promising to swallow up death forever and to host a banquet for all people. We praise you for Christ Jesus, your word made flesh. Born of Mary, he shares our life. Eating with sinners, he welcomes us. Leading his followers, he guides us. Dying on the cross, he rescues us. Risen from the dead, he gives new life. Most loving God, we give you thanks for your gift of Christ Jesus. Amen. And as mentioned, we gathered at, at 7 o'clock on the front lawn to see the sun rise and to announce the good news that Christ was risen. And we had a fire pit that was provided for us there. And from that fire pit, we lighted this candle, which in turn will be used to light our Paschal candle. Will Vaughn, I thank you for sharing and leading us in this duty, if you would come forward. And we have the lighting of the Paschal candle before us. I will offer the words of lighting and invite you to share in the response. The light of Christ rises in glory, overcoming the darkness of sin and death. Christ is our light. Amen. The light has come into the world, and the darkness will never extinguish it. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Will.
Thank you. We welcome our children and we come forward and share in our children's time. Good morning, children, and welcome. Looking handsome and beautiful. For a special Easter day. Well, welcome, and thank you for being here. You may see what I have before me, and if you go in the breezeway that's, that's to the left as you exit the sanctuary, you'll see several of these. And perhaps, yes, perhaps some of you made one of these. Okay, tell me what it is. Okay. It's kind of like the day of Pentecost, you know, all these different languages being spoken. But we hear of the mighty works of God. Yes, this is... This is uh, some wonderful artwork that we've seen plenty of in the, from the children, not only uh, this, the sculpture here, but the artwork that's in the windows, speaking of the season of Lent and then speaking of Easter morning. You're right, we remember that Jesus died on Friday. And after he died, he was placed in a tomb. And they had to do this in a hurry because the, the Jewish Sabbath was coming and they're not supposed to work on the Sabbath. But when the Sabbath was over, Women came to the tomb on the first day of the week. They wanted to prepare Jesus for a proper burial. But what happened when they got to the tomb? Jesus wasn't there, was he? The stone was rolled away, and the tomb, as we see, is empty. Because Jesus is raised from the dead. He's not in the tomb. And we say that is the most wonderful news, that, that Jesus has overcome death, and you know what that means? That means Jesus is with us now, that we are not alone. Now, I remember, when I may have been about your age, there were times when it was frightening for me to be alone. If I was home by myself, that, that was not always comfortable for me. If I was in the doctor's office, I wanted to make sure mom or dad was with me. If I went to the dentist, I didn't want to be alone. There, if I was in a new place, I didn't want to be alone. There were times where I just wanted to be, be assured someone was with me to comfort me, to give me peace, to assure me this is, this is okay, we're, we're all right here. Well, part of the news of Easter morning with Jesus not being in the tomb means he's with us and that we're not alone. And we remember that Jesus said, Lo, I am with you always. We remember that Jesus is called Emmanuel because that means God is with us. And we remember that we will have no fear because thou art with me. So that is part of the Easter news, the assurance that, that we need not fear being by ourselves, we need not fear even death, that Jesus is alive and he's with us now. And we give thanks to God for resurrection. Will you pray after me? Okay. Lord, we thank you that you are with us, that we are a people 
of resurrection. Thank you for the good news, for the gift of life, and for the knowledge you're with us always. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, children. We stand as we sing.
we share the word of God as it comes to us from the Gospel of Luke. Luke chapter 24, I'm going to read verses 1 through 11, and this is Luke's account of the day of resurrection. First we pray. We pray, O Lord, that you would remove all things that would keep us from hearing your word. It is your word that brings to life, your word that sustains, your word that inspires, your word that satisfies. For your word proclaimed this first day of the week, we give you thanks and pray that we would have ears to hear. In Jesus' name, amen. But on the first day of the week at early dawn, they went to the tomb taking the spices which they had prepared, and they found the, tomb, the stone rolled away from the tomb. But then when they went in, they did not find the body. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. And they remembered his words, and returning from the tomb, they told all this to the eleven and to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary the mother of James and the other women with them who told this to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. This is the word of our Lord. One of these Easter mornings, I'm going to borrow an idea put to use in a certain church some years ago. The idea, well, after everyone has been seated and the prelude concluded and all prepared for the call to worship, someone's going to burst breathlessly into the sanctuary and stop wide-eyed in their tracks and proclaim in fear and disbelief, it can't be true, can it? It can't be true. I think perhaps the Easter before I retire would be the opportune time to do that. <laughs> and it might be closer than we know. Yeah. Well, I say this because I find this experience to be representative <laughs> of the Easter accounts as found in our Gospels. We are told in the Gospel of Matthew, many believe Jesus is raised from the dead, but others doubt. In Mark, the first witnesses to resurrection run from the empty tomb, frightened and silent. In the Gospel of John, the disciples hide in fear after the resurrection, the disciple Thomas refusing to believe. In Luke, the women who tell the disciples Jesus is raised from the dead are seen as spreading idle tales. Now, while we may be inclined to fuss at these disciples slow to believe the women's witness of angels who announce Jesus is not dead, he is alive, I suspect if we step back a moment, we may find ourselves understanding their disbelief. In doing so, we find their disbelief 
is not due to the fact these witnesses are women. Their disbelief is not sexist. Instead, what is at issue is this. How do we believe something that does not fit within our understanding of how this world works? How do we make room for a different orientation of the way in which the world works? How do we accept the reality of resurrection? We understand the disciples' resistance to believe. Would we have been any quicker to believe than they? Because we share with these disciples an understanding of how this world works. There are fixed laws by which this world operates. For example, <coughs> when dropped, items fall to the earth at the rate of 32 feet per second. We see the sun rise in the east, the sun set in the west. We know creatures are born, creatures die. We know this, when something dies, it stays dead. It is true, Jesus brought certain persons back to life, yet we know such miracles only to have provided a temporary fix. Those brought back to life would die again and remain dead. These disciples knew, as we know, two things are certain in life, taxes and death. These are among the fundamental truths around which we shape our lives. If one of these truths is changed, everything else is changed. So these women tell the disciples, we went to the tomb of Jesus. When we arrived, we saw the stone had been rolled away and the body of Jesus was not there. Two men told us Jesus is not dead, he is raised from the dead. These words seemed to the disciples an idle tale, and they did not believe them. We understand. I say this because each of us knows how difficult it is to allow new information to disrupt what we already know and believe. The women tell the disciples, Jesus is raised from the dead. The disciples know how the laws of nature work. That which is dead stays dead. Jesus died, therefore Jesus remains dead. No exceptions. There is no precedent for resurrection. There is nothing to which to compare resurrection. We don't believe you. It just is not that easy to displace all we have known and believed so as to make room for a new system of belief. It's not easy to displace what we have always known in order to make room even for the God of resurrection. We may recall from history a gentleman named Galileo Galilee. Galileo, living from the mid-16th to 17th centuries, is considered the father of modern astronomy. Yet, as a song by the Indigo Girls tells us, 
Galileo's head was on the block. The crime was looking up the truth. It's a great song. I want you to learn that. <laughs> we can. Okay, I know you can. I know you can. You see, certain of Galileo's discoveries ran counter to what the church had always believed. Namely, the church had believed what about the solar system? The Earth is the center of the solar system. The planets, the sun, all revolve around the Earth. As evidence for such belief, the church would run to the Bible, to the book of Joshua, chapter 10, where Joshua commands the sun and moon to stand still for about a day. But here comes Galileo. He's built a telescope. He has watched the heavens. He sees that not only the moon, but Venus has phases. He discovers moons orbiting not the Earth, but Jupiter. Galileo agrees with Copernicus. It's the sun, not the Earth, at the center of the universe. The response of the church to this new information? Try Galileo for heresy twice. Have him spend the last years of his life under house arrest. Forbid him publishing any writings. It's not that easy for us to reorient our system of belief, is it? It's not easy for disciples to believe the women's account of the resurrection of Jesus. So perhaps we should be grateful for these men reminding us we're not alone in our struggle to believe, to put aside those things upon which we have built our lives, even in order to make room for a new way to shape our lives. A United Methodist pastor serving a church near Richmond, experienced the recent general conference of the United Methodist Church as something of a disorienting crisis. He attended this conference, returned home near Richmond, wrote to his church. Dear church family, Hall of Fame NFL coach Bill Parcells once said, there's a big difference between knowing you don't know and not knowing you don't know. He's right. One of the most significant moments in my life was when I was ordained. It's hard to believe it's been 21 years. It was a 12-year journey that culminated on a warm evening in Roanoke in June of 1998 when Bishop Joe E. Pennell ordained me. It was a moment that was holy. I was 28 years old and thought I knew more than enough to navigate the waters of ministry. I have since learned that I was wrong. I am still learning and trying to grow from my mistakes. The past few weeks have shaken I have come to realize there's a lot that I still don't know. Like so many, I am struggling and I don't know what to do with all I am feeling and thinking. 
Now, this pastor is not a man at peace. In light of new experiences, new information, he goes through the painful experience of reshaping what he has believed and how he has lived. The women come to the disciples and speak of something never before experienced, of resurrection. We understand how difficult it is to believe this, for it appears there is something within us that has to die if we are to make room for resurrection. I'm remembering the seminary professor instructing his students on the Gospel of Matthew. Arriving at the end of this Gospel, the professor speaks of Jesus' final words, Lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the age. As the professor speaks these words, a student raises her hand, Hey, prof, these words of Jesus, are they a promise or a threat? The student's onto something, as are the disciples who hear the witness of the women. That is, if Jesus is raised from the dead, life going forward is different from life as we've always known it. If Jesus is raised from the dead, we are no longer Lord of our lives. Jesus is. The news of Jesus raised from the dead changes everything. This God of resurrection changes everything. This news of resurrection changes this and every Sunday morning, bringing us to this place where we worship the God of resurrection on this first day of the week. For only one thing brings us here this morning, a God of resurrection. This is the God who takes the prophet Ezekiel, sets him in the midst of a valley uh, full of bones. Ezekiel tells us there were many bones and they were very dry. That is, until God breathes into these bones, they live and stand upon their feet an exceedingly great host. These bones can live. The God of resurrection is the God who, according to the Apostle Paul in his letter to the church in Rome, is the God giving life to the dead and calling into existence those things that never were. The God of resurrection is the God who takes his son who was crucified and raises him to life on the third day. Can you believe it? If we do, we may discover resurrection is a reality closer than we knew. Like many of you, Paula and I deliberated about the names we would give our children, our first child in particular. Eventually, we decided on the name Rebecca for our first daughter, and had the child been a boy, he probably would have been Rebecca too. That's all we had. <laughs> well, Rebecca was born New Year's Day, 1989, and while I was pleased with this name, I often joked that, like many biblical characters, I would give our daughter a 
symbolic name. A name remembering some <coughs> mighty act of God. The symbolic name I considered giving this older daughter, redemption. Yes, redemption, Richie. Same initials. You see, I share this because I saw much of a new beginning, much of an Easter moment in the birth of this child. For as a child not close to my father, as a child who carried the lament of this distant relationship, I saw in the birth of this daughter a chance to redeem to make new, to bring light to a darkened past. I saw at work in the birth of this child, the God of Easter, the God of new beginnings, the God whose gift is always new life. I believed this then, I believe this now, <coughs> and believing this changes everything. Well, I've heard it said, if you want to make God laugh, tell him your plans. <laughs> we had our plans on Good Friday. Our plans were to be rid of this Son of God, this one who told the truth about us. Our plans were to put Jesus to death once and for all. Our plans were to be free of this troubling, disruptive Jesus. These were our plans. This morning, God laughs. You see, resurrection is God's laughter to all that would oppose him. Resurrection is God's laughter at those who think they're in charge. Resurrection is God's laughter of those of us who think we have the final word. God has the final word. A word that we bring here, a word we take with us as we leave, and it is the word resurrection. As we shape our lives by this word, we are assured nothing can separate us from the presence of this God. As we orient our lives by this word, we know this God of new life, this God of new beginnings. As we live by this word, we live in the company of this God of second chances, this God who still places a reset button upon our lives. As we live according to this word, we witness to the God victorious over all that would oppose him, the one who overcomes all evil and powers and principalities. As we live by this word, we receive the gift of abundant life, the promise of life everlasting. As we live by this word, resurrection, we witness to the one who is in charge, the one now and always, Lord of our lives. Can you believe it? I invite us to stand. There is an Easter affirmation I want us to share. And we will do so responsibly if you will offer the bold response, please.
risen Lord, who in your first appearance to Mary was mistaken for the gardener, be present with us and show yourself to us all in all our mistakes and uncertainties. risen Lord, who gave to your distraught followers the assurance of healing and forgiveness, be present with us and bring together all Christians in peace and harmony. O risen Lord, who mindful of the needs of your disciples, prepare a meal of us sea of Galilee. Be present with us and make yourself known to us in all acts of hospitality and sharing. O risen Lord, who in your final appearance on the Mount of Olives lifted up hands of blessing on all people. Be present with us and grant that our prayers today may be taken up into yours on behalf of the whole world. Amen. And as we stand, we welcome one another as we pass the peace of Christ and then prepare to receive our offering. balcony people as we find our places may be seated and we prepare to receive God's offering and our tithes us pray. We thank you, Lord, that you entrust to us all <laughs> gifts. You entrust to us the news of resurrection, and we pray these gifts returned unto you would be witness to our belief and our desire to follow you. Amen.
seated. We are that community of faith called to pray without ceasing, to ask, to seek, to knock. And so we go to God with the prayers of the people. This is a responsive time of prayer in which I offer various petitions. I conclude each of these petitions with the words, Lord, in your mercy. And I invite from you the response here, our prayer. And invite you to name those concerns you would like to speak as well in this time of prayer. Let us pray. <coughs> Let us pray that the results of Christ's resurrection may be seen throughout the world. Lord God, our loving Heavenly Father, we thank and praise you for the glorious resurrection of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Your Son, our Passover Lamb, has taken away the sin of the world. Forgive us and all people. Lord, in your mercy. Your son said, peace be with you. Bring your peace to the world and to our own country. Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayers. Your son appeared to Mary Magdalene when she was weeping. Comfort those who are sad, lonely, or grieving. Lord, in your mercy. Your son met the women and asked them to tell the disciples about his resurrection. Guide Christians everywhere to witness to the resurrection in their lives. Lord, in your mercy. Your son proclaimed himself to the two disciples from the scriptures and made himself known to them in the breaking of the bread Reveal him to us and all people through the teaching of your word and the celebration of your holy meal. Lord, in your mercy. Your son strengthened the faith of Thomas by telling him to touch his hands and side. Reassure those who are troubled by doubts and strengthen their faith in your goodness. Lord, in your mercy. Your son conquered a death by his death and won the victory by his resurrection. Be with those who are dying and lead them to life with you forever. Lord, in your mercy. Heavenly Father, grant that all who now celebrate these joyful holy days here on earth may finally praise you forever with all the angels and saints in heaven. We ask this through your risen Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now for and forever, and who has taught us to pray, our Father, who art in heaven. Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. 
Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. We stand as we sing. <clears throat>
We go as a light to the risen Christ, and we go with the assurance that he is with us now and always, whether that be promise or threat. It is good news. In the name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Amen.